This morning we're going to go to Philippians. You got your Bible? I'm going to be all over Philippians chapter 3. So get your Bible and go to Philippians chapter 3. And our key passage is going to be verse 12. And I think it's very fitting coming in a new year, especially next year. Uh, tomorrow, 2024 is here. And so I think you'll find uh, the, this, uh, these words here and these things to think about edifying to you. Before we get to our study and thinking on these things, let's pray together. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for your grace, your mercy, great things that you have given us, especially for sending your Son, Jesus, to die for us. Father, we thank you for the ability that we can know him and that we can know the power uh, of the resurrection and that we can partake and share in his sufferings in this life. Father, we ask that you strengthen us in this coming year. Bless this congregation. Help us to grow. Bless us, Father, be a light in this world. Help us, Father, to forget what is behind, those things that are meaningless, that we don't need to hold on to, and to press forward and to look to you and to your Son. Father, we ask your grace and your blessings upon us as we study your holy word, and we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. So what's ahead for us? What's coming up in 2024? You already got plans? Do you have goals? You have things that are coming to mind. What do you think is going to happen in 2024? A lot of people are having some predictions. Some people are thinking the United States is going to collapse. It won't be anymore. Some people think, well, the recession might end. And there'll be good, some good things there. You personally, I don't, what are you thinking about? Um, what is it going to be like with your relationship with God and His Spirit and His Son what are your goals for the next year? I want you to think about this morning, what, what are you going to do as a Christian and growing in the next year? You know, are you going to allow these things uh, the, to distract you, the things that are going on in the world? Um, in this next year, we're going to have times of joy and peace, and we're going to have times of suffering and sorrow, maybe conflict. Maybe there will be some kind of collapse of something, you know, and what are we going to do through that? And I hope that our attention goes straight to God and that our focus the next year, our number one goal is what's presented here in Philippians chapter three. So go with me, Philippians three, and let's look at verse 12. I'm going to read that now. And Paul writes this to the to the church of Philippi. He says, not that I have already obtained it or have already become perfect, but I press on so that I may lay hold of that which I also was laid hold of by Christ Jesus. Now, you're probably following the first part of that passage really well. And then at the end of it, it's like, what is he saying there? And what does he mean by these things? I want us to look at that, just that one verse right now and make some observations for it. The first thing is we're going to see the Apostle Paul here. He's setting the Christian goal, the goal of our lifetime. And he's saying, I haven't obtained it yet. And he says... I haven't already become perfect. Some translations say mature there. I haven't become complete yet. And, he, and here you're hearing, it, hearing this from the Apostle Paul. The work is not done yet. There's so much more before us. And yet Paul is without completion of this goal. Yet he says, notice what he says here. He says, I press on. And he says, I will do everything I can. I will make every effort, as we're going to see here in the scripture, to lay hold of it. And then he makes an interesting statement here about his effort to lay hold of what God has given to him and promised to us. And he says it's because Christ has taken hold of him. 
And I hope that everyone in here in our faith in Christ will say that Christ has taken hold of me. He has grabbed hold of me. His message, his life, his actions, his death, his burial and resurrection, his ascension to the right hand of God and our anticipation of his coming again, it's laid hold of me. And the gospel has grabbed me and won't let me go. And I hope that you can relate to what the Apostle Paul is saying right there. I can. I think about someone who is an artist who may, you know, make a number of pieces, maybe very beautiful, but they're always recognizing that they need to make refinements and continually make refinements. And I think about Paul like that. When you look at his life and how beautiful it is, uh, the masterpiece it is, and the things that God did through his life, he says, it's not done yet. It's not complete yet. I haven't fully accomplished it. And some people get to certain parts of their life and they just say, I'm retired from that part of my life and serving God. And I hope that we don't do that. That we, we think that we're continually growing and maturing and looking for those opportunities to do good to others. So Paul's sentiment here is to press on, to move forward, to look for the completion and the, and the perfection that is only in Jesus Christ. Now, I think it's important here to understand Paul's goal. What is this that he's talking about? What is he talking about as far as his completion and obtaining it? Well, let's get the context. Let's, we, we're looking at the, that little focus there on verse 12. Let's broaden it out and look at the context. Look at verses 10 through 12 now of Philippians chapter 3. He says, as he's expressing this, his desire for Christ, he says that I may know Him. I want to know God and know Christ. Well, Paul, don't you know Him? And Paul would, yeah, he knows Christ. But he would say that there's still maturity, there's still completion to be made in it. And what else does he say here? And not having a righteousness uh, of my, my own, he says in verse 9. Um, and he lays these foundations of things that he's not going to go back to them. But, he's, but what he wants here, he says, I want to know Him. And I want to know what? The power of His resurrection. I want to know the power of it. Do you know the power of the resurrection of Christ? What do you think about? When you think about why Jesus rose from the dead, what did He do it for? This is the, these are the things that grabbed hold of Him. I know Jesus, and I know the power of the resurrection has grabbed hold of Him. And then He says, and to know what? The fellowship, the partaking of, the communion with what? With His sufferings. I'm going to suffer. In this next year, there are times that we're going to suffer. There are times that we're going to have to turn to our Creator and to Christ and rely upon Him. And then he says, I I partake of those sufferings, how? Being conformed to His death. And we conform to the death of Christ, to the death, burial, resurrection of Christ, by our death to sin, by the way that we live, by faith, willing to suffer for Christ. And then in verse 11, and he says, in order... Listen to this. I've conformed to His death in order for what? That I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. That's His goal. So when Paul says, now that, not that I've already obtained it, I haven't obtained all these things. I haven't come, been complete in every way in all of these things. I'm not completely perfect in it. He says, but I press on. I press on that I may lay hold of it. His goal is right. I want to know Christ more. I want to know the power of the resurrection. I want to participate and to have a part in His sufferings. These things that Christ has done, and this should be the goal of every Christian as we go into the next year, as we think about pressing forward. And it's because of that that He goes on even further here. 
All right, now look at verses 13 through 15. Philippians chapter 3, verses 13 through 15. Paul says, Brothers, I do not consider myself having laid hold of it yet, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead. Now what's he saying? What's he, what's he forgetting about lying behind? Is he talking about his family or his responsibilities? Is he talking about the church? Is he, of course he's not talking about Christ. He's not talking about those good things that God's given to us. What's he laying behind? He tells us this. We're going to read more about that in a moment. But he says earlier in Philippians chapter 1 the things that he has given up by, for Christ. I'm going to forget about those things because my focus is new. When your focus is on Jesus Christ, when you're pressing forward to Him, when you want to lay hold of Him, when you want to mature and grow in Him, there are things that you've got to leave behind. You've got to leave behind sin. You've got to leave around, uh, behind the anxieties and worries uh, of the last year. The things that uh, had no effect or influence upon who you are as a Christian and your growth and maturity. There are things that must be left. But keep reading with me there in Philippians chapter 3. Look at 14 and 15. He says, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. And a lot of people in the new year, they come up with new plans and new goals. What am I going to do? The goal of the Christian life is put before us right here. I'm going to press forward to this goal, to that goal, for the prize of the upward call of God. And that's where we need to be set for the next year. Verse 15, Paul says, Let us therefore as many as are perfect, and there he says he's meaning those, to those of us who are now mature, think this way. And this is the way that Christians should think. This is mature thinking. There are a lot of things going on in the world today that we can get word about what's going on in the news and so forth. And in the very end, they're not going to matter that much. What matters is Christ. What matters is God. What matters is that goal and knowing Him and maturing toward the resurrection of Jesus. Desiring those things and living out the Christian life. In verse 15, he says, Let us therefore, as many as are mature, think this way. And if anything you so think differently, God will reveal that also to you, he goes on to say. So what things did Paul give up? If you go back and you read, what you're going to read about is he says, You know, I was a Jew. I was a Pharisee. I was of the tribe of Benjamin. And he boasted those things. I was an Israelite. I was a Hebrew of Hebrews, he says earlier on in Philippians right here. He says, according to the law, I was a Pharisee. In other words, I, I kept it really strictly. I went, I, I went straight to the law. I was so diligent in, in being a Pharisee that I persecuted the church. He says, I had to, those are the things he's talking about leaving behind. Sin and wickedness and his own righteousness, he goes on. I said, he says there, I had to leave behind becoming righteous by the law. I had to give it all up. And he says, I, he counts it as garbage, as trash. He just left it behind for Christ. And I want you to think about that this morning. What is it from 2023 that you need to leave behind? That you need to drop? That got in the way? That distracted you? That turned you away from from God and from Christ and from reading the Bible and prayer. You can do this right now. You can think about, well, I would have prayed more, but what? What was it? I would have read my Bible more, but what? I just had this going on and that going on. and Why? 
And you can't blame it on your family. You can't blame it on those good things. You can, you can pray and read with your family. You can't say, well, I, I would have been in more Bible studies and I would have been at church more. I would have shared the gospel more. But then there was this, and then this happened. What are you going to do? I love the picture here that Paul gives us. And throughout the uh, New Testament, he gives pictures of the athletic events that took place back then. You get pictures of, of boxing and races and things like that. And part of it's right here. He talks about reaching for the goal. Reaching for the goal. Looking forward to the prize that is presented to him by God, by Christ. And, you know, most people at that time would have known about what it meant to be, um, even in their perspective back then, an Olympic runner. I remember when I was in, in high school and our coach was teaching us how to run. And there, there, I remember my coach, football coach, telling us the story. He said, he's telling the story of one of the Olympics where just, I don't remember which, which country it was, but they made these little tiny changes to the way that they ran. And it made all the difference so that they won the gold medals. They won the medals. And he said, those little subtle things are things that I want to teach you. And one of the things was, is when you run, you've got to have a focus on a goal. When you're running 40 yards, You've got to be focused to the very end, to the goal, to the prize at the other end. And he told us other ways about how we were to, to grip our hands and how, and I remember every, I know these little details, and how our elbows were to move and how we were to pump our arms and how, the, how we are to launch ourselves to the first few steps in our running and how all of that would increase our speed. And it was very interesting because we all ran the 40 and he timed us and he said, okay, make these changes. And we got some practice in and we did it again. And we, we beat our scores, you know, and some of them cut, you know, you know uh, four tenths of seconds, you know, off of, of what they were running. And it was crazy. And I, and I always thought about that because when I read these passages in the scripture about running the race and our focus being right. And he says right here, I press forward to the goal, it says in verse 14, for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ. I'm racing for this. I'm targeted for that. And I hope that we will think the same way. I encourage you this morning to think about these things that Paul brings out in Philippians. Is knowing Christ and the power of the resurrection and participating in his sufferings, is it worth it? I think a lot of, a lot of us, will, I think as Christians sitting here this morning, we're going to say, yeah, it's worth it. But do we do it? Do we participate in that? Do we have uh, our life really involved in um, what Christ has accomplished for us and given to us? Would you imagine right now, I think about this, a diligent student who spend years studying a subject, delving deep into all the details of it, becoming proficient in it so that he can even turn around and teach it. But then one day he discovers something that's life-changing, life-changing truth and philosophy. Now what happens to that student? That student then realizes that all the previous knowledge that he had learned pales in comparison to what he knows now. And that's what it's like as, as we live our lives. You recognize you can pursue this philosophy and this discipline and these different ideas and as far as politics or the way that people live. But once you know Christ and He grabs hold of you, it changes the way that you think. Everything else pales in comparison. It cannot be compared to Jesus Christ. And we hear this in the, from the Apostle Paul as well. Look here in Philippians 3. In the context of his life, back up in Philippians 3, look at verses 7 through 9. Listen to what 
Paul says. Philippians 3, 7 through 9. Paul says, Whatever things were gained to me, those things I have counted as loss for the sake of Christ. This is what Kyle has read for us this morning as well. So I wanted to emphasize this and echo. I count it all as loss. Why? Because I know Christ. He makes all the difference to me. Look at verse 8. More than that, I count all things to be lost. Everything because of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. The surpassing value of knowing Him. You know, you think about the things that people will spend their day thinking about. Spend their weeks fascinated on. The things that kept you distracted from Christ in 2023, lay them down. Let them be garbage. Put them aside. Count them as loss to know Christ. And he says, I count them all as lost for the value, though it's worth it, of knowing Jesus Christ my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them but rubbish, garbage, so that I may gain Christ. I guess that would qualify as hogwash. So I, don't, I wasn't here last week, but I hear that was the key word. All right, it's hogwash. All those things for Christ. It didn't matter. Look at verse 9. And be found in Him, be found in Christ, not having a righteousness of my own, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ. I need a righteousness that comes from Him. As God, Christ makes me righteous. As I am imperfect and incomplete, He died for me. He makes me complete. And so... That righteousness which is through faith in Him, the righteousness which is from God upon faith. He says, that's what I want. And that's when he says in verse 10 again, he says, so that I will know God and I will know the power of the resurrection. I will have fellowship in the suffering of Christ. I count all those things in the past as rubbish. Anything you can do today, today, 2023, tomorrow, 2024, Those things that have kept you distracted and gotten in your way and your focus, count them as rubbish. Consider someone who's striving for any goal. You know, people will make lists of goals and resolutions for the next year. And they think, why do they make those goals? They think, well, it'll make me happy. It'll make things better for them. That's what their, their thinking is. Why else would you do that? Why do we make plans? You know, I think we're going to make things better for ourselves. But maybe despite their own efforts, let's say a specific individual realizes that this goal is unachievable. The things, have you ever figured that out? You've ever had goals and found out, I don't think I can ever achieve that. And when it comes to righteousness, Paul realizes he can't achieve that. And so as seeking out that goal, he has a benevolent Savior, one who rescues him, and so do we all, who's already secured it on our behalf. He's given us a way to attain the goal that will actually give us joy. To give us the fruits of the Spirit and love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. I want all of those things. I want them in my life, and I want them next year. And I know the one who gives them to me. God does. Christ does. But that means taking these worldly things and putting them aside as rubbish. I don't need them anymore. 
I want you to consider some other things that are mentioned here in Philippians chapter 3. If you go back to Philippians chapter 3 from the very beginning, you find out why Paul began this discussion with the church at Philippi. This is a good church. They're good Christians. They have fellowship with Paul. They help him out. He has nothing bad to say about them. But he, he writes them about this for a specific reason. What reason is that? He says, I reveal all these things because I, I want these things I'm telling you to be a safeguard for you. You notice that? Is that scripture up there? I'm not going to read that one, but it says, I want it to be a safeguard for you. And as you continue to read there, he get, begins to warn them. And he says, I don't want you to watch out for the dogs, for the wild dogs, mutilate themselves who are going to deceive you or try to deceive you and pull you away. Paul knew them well. He knew about those who could tear apart a church or tear apart a Christian's life. And he says, I don't want you to have any part in that. I want you to grow, to mature, to look forward to the prize and to know Christ and to know the power of the resurrection. Philippians chapter 3 and verse 17. Paul sets forth what it means to be a mature Christian. And I love this passage. Look at this, verse 17. Philippians three seventeen. He says, brothers, brethren. He's talking to his family there. He says, join in following my example. Here's the path. Here's the way. Follow my example. Why follow Paul's example? You know, every time Paul says, follow my example, especially like 1 Corinthians 11, he says, follow my example as I follow Christ. And he says here, follow my example and look for those who walk according to the pattern. They're walking the path. They're keeping the pattern. They're doing. They're following the example of Christ. In the end of all these things, when you count all those things rubbish and your focus is on the goal, you're going to walk according to the pattern. You're going to look to other Christians around you who are doing the same thing. You want to be with them. You want to walk with them on that same path. That's what Paul's saying there. And then the Apostle Paul, he has another warning here. I'm not going to read all of this either, but if you go down to Philippians 3 to the other end of this chapter and look at verses 18 and 19, he talks about the way that other people walk, how they live their life. They walk as enemies of Christ. Their end destruction at the end of their road and their path is destruction. You know, if you're on a road and it's a highway and it's like, oh, there's no traffic on it, but you've got signs everywhere telling you (laughs) this road ends. Especially if it goes off a cliff, which is essentially where you're going without Christ. What are you going to do? And I think some people are just like, well, it's too easy. I'm just going to keep going. But here he says, those who walk, they walk as enemies of Christ. Their end is their destruction. They're not aware of it. And it says here, Paul says, whose God is their own stomach, their own desires, and glory is in their shame. They take pride and glory in their shame. Probably referring to sexual immorality and other things. Sounds familiar. Sounds like today who set their thoughts on earthly things. Those earthly things need to be left in the past so that you can better follow Christ. I encourage you this morning, and I ask you this question, has Christ laid hold of you? If if He has, you will count all things as lost to know Him. You will pursue Him. You will look to this example and pattern that's presented to us in the book of Philippians. And you get the blessing of that final and eternal reward that's mentioned here in Philippians 3.21, where Christ says, and has promised us, that He will transform our lowly bodies to be conformed to the glory of His body, His resurrected body. I hope in this new year, we have our goal set on Christ. We know where we're going. We know how to mature. And that we think in that way, in the right way. 
encourage you this morning, if you haven't been baptized in the Christ, listen to what Ananias said to Paul. He says, why are you waiting? Why are you waiting? Arise and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on the name of the Lord. Why are you waiting? Don't wait any longer. You need prayers and encouragement this, this morning. We encourage you to come. Let's stand. Let's sing together.